0: ologically and Marau mornings Arizona sports the local sports leader Pinckley blast
1: the Cardinals have lots of holes in their leaky boat, but when you compare our football team to the rest of the NFC West, there is no greater area of need than our deficiency at head coach. And that is because the NFC features Kyle Shanahan, the third best head coach in all of football and the best under the age of 60. And the division also includes two other master culture builders in Pete Carroll and Sean McVay, both of of whom have won Super Bowls, and that is why the Cardinals' apparent passing on Sean Payton could be a serious regret in coming years. Remember, the Cardinals asked for and were granted permission to interview Payton, but to our knowledge that interview hasn't happened. Mike Jarecki reported that Payton's camp was disappointed in Michael Bidwell's reticence to give Payton full control, and Payton has stopped talking about the organization for whom he wants toiled as a ball boy yes Sean Payton is expensive on all fronts especially after eating the contract of the previous head coach but you cannot find a former player who doesn't rave about what Payton brings to an organization and a locker room and that's worth a lot of money in today's NFL especially in an NFC West that features a comforting lack of franchise quarterbacks where Kyler Murray might still be the best prospect of them all but if the next head coach in Arizona doesn't get Murray right the cost of failure becomes exorbitant because by passing on Peyton you can then add 230 million dollars to that bill and at that point playing it safe becomes a really expensive mistake. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. You can find them online at chapmanbmw.com.
2: Yeah, the Sean Payton sweepstakes continues. Uh, There's still teams attached, three teams attached, possibly four, Denver. Uh, the Houston Texans, the Carolina Panthers, to some degree, uh, the Arizona Cardinals to even further degree, uh, and I agree with your assessment that it looks like the Cardinals might be might be in the process of passing on Sean Payton. When you hear the the reports, and I know Chuck Herr has put it out there, the Payton could be asking for twenty to twenty five million dollars a year for a head coach. That's a lot of money. Mike Cliss covers the uh, Broncos in the uh, in the Denver area. He's got a piece on Nine News dot com. Uh, That says, although there has been speculation Peyton would command 15 to 20 million dollars a year salary if he returns to coach, he and the Broncos did not talk compensation during their interview Thursday, according to a source. The Broncos also have not engaged in trade talks with New Orleans on compensation for Sean Payton, although they are aware of the Saints asking price, which is reportedly a first round pick. Um, So they talked for a long time, but didn't Mm -hmm. talk compensation of of any kind uh, during during their interview in Denver, but by all accounts, that interview went very well for, for yeah, Sean Payton and yeah, the Broncos.
1: Yeah, a bunch of Denver reporters, including Mike Kliss, who had known for a long time, said that after the interview was over, it was obviously clear to a lot of people there was mutual interest on both sides. So that that to me is interesting because I wasn't sure what Sean Payton was going to think about the Russell Wilson piece. Now, granted, there was a time when when Sean Payton was interested in Russell Wilson, but that was before Russell Wilson put down on the field what he put down this season, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, we all watched it. We all watched mm-hmm. Russell Wilson for a decade in Seattle, and and especially up close and personal in the NFC West, you're like, this is a guy that is one of the elite talents at quarterback yep. in the league, and yep. he looked anything but that in his first year of wearing a different uniform. Mm-hmm. The Sean yeah. Payton might be more qualified than anybody to fix that, but... I Look, if, it, it was bad enough listen. to have serious doubts
1: going forth on, on, on Russell Wilson. Yeah, listen, I, I, I also understand that if, if Sean Payton's asking prices, really $20 million a year as a head coach, and if the Saints really are like, okay, you're going to have to give us your first-round pick or we're not going to do this, I, I understand that at some point in time you have to ask yourself, all right, what is a franchise coach really worth? Is he really worth that, right? I did not see the... The MJ tweet from uh, January 17th that I referenced in the blast. I don't know how it – well, Twitter is weird these days, right? You just
3: don't see things you used to see. You have to unfollow people if you want to see their tweets. (laughs) because <laughs> then they start showing yeah, up in your self. timeline people somebody, you don't somebody you, somebody you follow liked it. Right, right exactly. It's, it's weird. Yeah. You've
1: got to go in the following tab on the right. Well, MJ tweeted out, hearing Sean Payton's people are disappointed they hired a general manager before they would interview him. The word around the league is Bidwill wouldn't give him full power. Um, okay, and I think that was one of our fears going into this was the idea of how much autonomy and how much freedom is Michael Bidwell ready to bestow upon the next head coach. Uh, but the idea of of that being the stumbling block, or the compensation being the stumbling block, I, w- whatever the stumbling block happened to be, if Sean pa- if that's true, and Sean Payton's people are disappointed, then that means Sean Payton probably wanted to come here,
2: right? Why else would they be disappointed? Again, that was something we talked about early in this process. Pick was that the Cardinals had a carrot that other teams did not have yep. to offer. And that was full control. Now you're willing to go twenty to twenty five million dollars potentially
1: on the high end of that scale
2: for, lot. For, for two jobs? It's a lot.
1: Well it, for it, two jobs it's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a lot. So I, so I understand that at some point in time you do have to kind of look at the the cold-hearted financials of it all and kind of balance all that. But but again, it's the, the Kyler Murray element here is what makes this hire different. It's not just getting a good leader. You need to get a good leader and somebody who can actually mentor Kyler Murray the
3: right way. So it's right interesting what, what, what Bob Kravitz, uh, who covers the Colts, was just telling us. That Frank Reich, not necessarily the best disciplinarian, hold accountable guy, but tremendous with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk to O.J. McDuffie about Brian Flores, who is a yes. leader, disciplinarian, we'll but, you, Jerry. <laughs> but not necessarily... The greatest well, with quarterbacks, are the,
2: the track record with quarterbacks in his stint in Miami, not great.
1: And, I'm like a proud father right here, Jarrett. You're booking guests who are actually advancing the story. I'm, I'm yes. really, I'm beaming.
3: To be clear, Bob Kravitz didn't say he doesn't hold players accountable. He said he's not a screamer. Yeah, right. Um, and there is
1: a difference. Okay. Not, a, not a tough
2: guy. It was, yeah, uh, again, not a he, tough guy. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: so, and again, I think, I do think that's kind of what Michael Bidwell is looking for. And I think, I think that look he gave Cliff in the penultimate episode of Hard Knocks was one of the priceless moments of the entire series. Told you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for Cliff to unload on this team full of lollygaggers and the head coach can't do anything but thank him for the effort. How about you know a little something for the uh, for the effort? So I jump ship in Hong Kong. <laughs> you get a break. <laughs> Flowing robes striking. So, uh, yeah, so I think that it's, it's, it's something where they got to get Kyler Murray right. And here's the other thing, too. I know a lot of people have gravitated to this line of thinking, and I'm, I'm struggling with this. There are a lot of people who are, are connecting the dots between no egos will be tolerated in this organization and Kyler Murray as if Kyler Murray had an ego that was out of control. I don't see that in the kid. I see entitlement. I see immaturity. I see awkwardness. I see a little petulance. I don't see a ton of ego coming off the kid. I mean, he defended; he had to defend his work ethic, but that's not ego. Do you tie? I, 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 I don't I, buy this that I, he thinks he's all that. I tend to, and not
2: specifically to Kyler Murray, just generally speaking, I tend to tie entitlement to ego. Okay, in, in a
1: lot of cases. All right, but I will say this: I don't think Kyler Murray thinks he's a great quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's trying to fool anybody with that.
2: Really? No, I, I don't. P- publicly, no. I think you're, you're you're probably right. I I wonder, I wonder what the thought is behind closed doors the oh, study clause. We when know
3: when, when, you're, when you're
2: talking about a guy, the label is fair or unfair. It's out there and the Cardinals are responsible for this it, too. But pr- that's the label on him. He's previous, unwilling to work as hard. The
1: previous GMN head coach had four years to develop this guy. To blame Kyler Murray for where he's at in his development is I'm not having it. This is on Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury as much as it is Kyler Murray. You get. What I don't you disagree expect. with that You get what you expect
2: mm-hmm. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now also want to remind you, Innings Festival is back The two-day festival back. featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer Did you know Bick met Eddie Vedder?
1: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah it was fabulous <laughs> The
2: Offspring and many more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th Tickets went on sale and you can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com For complete details and your chance to win I'm just jealous, I don't have any Better story <laughs> coming up next. If it's not crunch time yet for the Phoenix Suns, we're getting real close to that territory. But there's help on the way. We'll get into some Suns talk straight ahead on Sunday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports
4: leader. Taking a long day, you know, from here on, until the end of the season, if we could play winning basketball and win more games than we lose. If you look at the standings, uh, a lot of of teams play each other, we play each other multiple times you can pick up a game or two on a team by just playing by winning your series two nothing so um, we we just have to to win play winning basketball and win games and if we do that it'll take care of itself
2: it's James Jones president of basketball operations general manager of the Phoenix Suns his weekly visit with Burns and Gambo yesterday here on Arizona sports the uh, Phoenix Suns have played 45 games 37 games remain in the regular season so plenty of basketball to be played mm-hmm. you know they're on the back end of the schedule the second half of the season they they are 21 and 24 going into tonight's game against Brooklyn, 12th place in the Western Conference. And people see that number 12 and they're like, oh man, that's bad. They are five games out of third. Mm hmm. That's how weird this season has been in the NBA, mm-hmm. and by weird I mean good. There's been a lot of
1: weird. Is what you mean? Isn't
2: that weird? This
1: so weird.
2: Sacramento is third in the West right now at 25 and 18. That's only you know again a five game difference right now. Uh, but James Jones hit on something. You got to start playing better basketball. And and we talked a couple days ago, Bick. Um, and this was before we talked to Brian Windhorst to uh, had a very calming effect, I think, on some suns fans that were listening to that that particular interview. Hey, calmer waters are coming, and the suns you know when they 're healthy they 're still a very good basketball team. The health is starting to come into play with cam Johnson returning tonight, but again, I, I worry about the residual fa- effects of this last you know six week run where the suns routinely are getting pounded, not just losing games but getting absolutely pounded. And I remember at the beginning of the season kind of sizing up the teams that I thought, hey, these are the teams that are in competition for for Victor Wenbanyama, the number one pick, uh, to to win that lottery. The the tanking teams, if you will. And I remember seeing what San Antonio was doing early, and they were losing by 30 points. And last year, I remember Portland, after everybody got hurt, just losing every game by 30-plus points. That seems like what the Suns have been doing for six weeks. How hard is that to shake off from a mental aspect moving forward when you need need to play winning basketball yeah. to get back into yeah, this yeah
1: probably a lot and, and I think that uh, and I think that that James Jones has got to do his part and deliver a piece or two and, and kind of add to the mix and, and help create a fresh reset for this basketball team you mentioned there are 37 games left that's exactly the amount of games that cam Johnson has missed yes. um, and if the Suns go 25 and 12 in the final 37 we're talking about a 46 win basketball team just for perspective. And and that's a, that's a far cry from 64. I'll tell you that much. But again, I think we've learned those lessons the hard way. That 64 guarantees you nothing. Guarantees you zip.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so and I, and I think last year for a 64 win team, I, I think grabbing the Pelicans was another fresh example that you know what it doesn't matter where you're slotted in the West, you're going to have three tough playoff series to deal with. That's probably going to be true almost of everybody. And and so. So I think we're just going to have to have faith. We're going to have to have faith that James Jones is going to add, that the James Crowder resolution, that the thing is going to get resolved. I'm tr- sorry I meant to say that. That Devin Booker is going to come back. And who knows? Devin Booker's timetable, it's a fluid thing. Devin Booker might be feeling better than anyone knows right now. Um, so so I think, you just, I think we're just going to have to have some faith because I, I don't know where else you find it. You certainly, yeah. don't, certainly don't find it in the last 20 games. No, health is paramount.
2: What I'm concerned about health-wise is, okay, Cam Johnson's coming back tonight. He played in eight games. He missed 37. But if you go back to the eight games that Cam Johnson played, there was a lot of stuff that nagged him. Uh, He had uh, a couple of minor injuries that he played through before the major injury to the meniscus. And now, with Landry Shamet out again tonight, he, he was out. He came back for one game, and now he's out again the Suns have now had three players quite recently in Landry Shamet, Cameron Payne, and Devin Booker, who have returned from injury only to miss more time after yeah. a one-game return.
1: That does not no. happen a lot. No, that is very, very odd. They've had recurring guys they have had guys come back and they go back for different reasons. Yeah, that that doesn't happen a lot. That's kind of bad luck. And you hope that that's going to stop as well. Yeah, uh,
2: James Jones uh, was a guest of Burns & Gamble yesterday. Uh, they are in a tough stretch. There's no doubt about it, but that doesn't mean some players haven't stood out. Here's what James Jones said on that subject. Daniel
4: Lee's been consistent for us. Um, you know, he He's, he's had to take multiple roles, um, but but he's he's been consistent coming off the bench, making shots and uh, making plays for us. Uh, and we've asked him to do a lot um, with Devin and all the injuries. So I, I have to give him props and kudos for being a great pro. And I thought Joshua Kogi. Um, also played really well in his minutes he, he was giving us something different and, and, and both of those guys have had a tremendous impact on our ability to sustain even though we've been down so many guys
2: I don't disagree with that I think Damian Lee has been uh, probably um, for for the, the moves that the Suns did make in the offseason to bring in new talent I think he's been the guy that stood out the most on the most consistent basis yeah Near, near the top of the league in three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a rough game the other night. Uh, but I, it's still been a, 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 yeah. a tremendous positive for the team. No tremendous. doubt. Tremendous. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and Josh Okogie gives them uh, like a really, really tough fun ball defender, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. He's out now, too, because of he got an elbow from uh, DeAndre Ayton in that game, a nasal fracture. I wonder how long Josh Okogie will be out for now. because. <laughs> The the rotation at guard remains thin. Chris Paul could be back tonight. He was upgraded to questionable. Um, I'm not sure how much the Suns want to pre- press him back just yet. Yeah, uh,
1: and again, I, I said this the last time before he went down with his latest ailment that that I hope that he gets a a long runway when he gets back of, of playing time just to provide some stability to kind of to kind of create the identity that that fueled this team for a couple of years. That that to me is going to be one of the the real. Um, I think fluid stories going forward. What it, what is the last thirty seven games plus going to look like for Chris Paul? And then what's going to happen with Chris Paul beyond? But we don't need to get into that today. Thirty seven, the key number. Thirty
2: seven games right, left 37, at age thirty seven. I wish I was thirty seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> text <Thanks> your <laughs> thoughts to the Fanduel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, we got a closer look at Frank Reich. Cardinals uh, candidate for head coach. Coming up uh, straight ahead, we'll get a closer look at Brian Flores, uh, former Miami Dolphins head coach, and we will speak about it with uh, O.J. McDuffie, former Dolphin and now post-game host and uh, podcaster. That is next here on Vic and Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the Cardinals head coaching search update, 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 update. Cardinal still looking for
2: that head coach to take over for Cliff Kingsbury. The list of candidates is growing among that, the list of candidates, Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, here to give us a closer look at the candidate, Brian Flores, former Dolphins player, now broadcaster, podcaster, OJ McDuffie joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. OJ, thanks for coming on today.
0: We appreciate it. How are you? Man, I'm great, man. Thank you guys for having me on. There's, there's a lot going on in uh, Arizona sports, man. Indeed. That, was a, that was an update right there, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know, right? And a lot of it's not Dang. good, OJ. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, that's part of it, though. You, know, you can't have all good, right? That's that's true. <laughs> Cyclical is what you we're can, hoping. You can. You want all good, but sometimes it's just not possible, and you know? That is the truth.
2: Uh, Brian <laughs> Flores, uh, obviously three years in Miami as the head coach, two winning seasons, no playoffs, a ton of controversy with the uh, front office dealings and how he dealt with players i mean how do you size up big picture uh oj brian flores candidacy as, as a head coach in the league and specifically with the cardinals
0: well you know what man uh brian flores is a i thought he was a great man first and foremost um i thought down here in miami that he uh demanded a lot of um uh, attention to detail, uh, uh, you know. He also demanded a lot of um, hard work. You know, he comes from that New England school of thought under Bill Belichick, and preparation and everything was was critical. And when guys came up a little bit short, he was he wasn't happy about it. But he's also an old school coach, you know. And um, so sometimes it's tough. With the old school coaches dealing with these new school kids, you know, I, I tried to coach a uh, twelve year old baseball, and it just wasn't for me because I, I could I couldn't handle how these little kids how they are nowadays, man. I'm a I'm a I'm an old school kind of guy, and I think that's flow, man. But what he did do though, he got the most out of everybody. I mean, he really does, man. He 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 gets these guys going, man, and they trust him. I mean, you saw this a couple times, I think, in year two. We had some tough hits on some of our players and Coach Flores was like the first guy across the field to, you know, to try to handle some business, man, you know, and in the right way. But he just loves his players. He asks a lot of, out of them, but he's just a great leader of men, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that, and, and that is the great leader of men element is something I think they definitely need in Arizona. Now, let me talk uh, about his relationship with quarterbacks, because we've got to get our quarterback in Kyler Murray right. There's a, there's a lot he needs to learn. There's a lot of rawness to his game, a lot of unharnessed talent. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, Brian Flores and Tua didn't always see eye to eye. I know that he had some relationship issues with other players. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing because you said he's very demanding. And if you get a guy that demanding, right. you're going to you're going to rub some people the wrong way. But could, could you focus in on how you might see him handling and working with a guy like Kyler Murray?
0: Yeah, if, if Kyler's willing to put in that work. You now, look, now, I mean, Brian Flores, we talked about New England. He's he's used to Tom Brady type work at, at, at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't put that in, he's, he's got a problem. You know, so if Kyler's willing to put that that work in, you know, coming early, leaving late. You know, being in that book, you know, I mean, look, it's not, it's no, you no, know, uh, <clears throat> it's not a mystery that Tua didn't know a lot of the playbook at times. I know he was young in the game, but how much work did he try to put in to to get it memorized or to learn it? If Kyler's willing to put that work in, I promise you that Brian Flores be on the side and giving him every opportunity to succeed. So. And that's all key with everybody. I mean, I remember a couple guys I, you know, I used to play with down here that went and played for New England, and they said they met more than they practiced. They said they met, like, you know, all the time. And that's, the meeting's all about preparation and, and, and being ahead of the game. So if these guys are willing to put in that type of work, you know, in the classroom, not necessarily just on the field, but in that classroom and in that book, in that playbook, then it'll be, it'll be great with, with, with Coach Flores.
2: O.J. McDuffie, our guest, he's the co-host of uh, The Fish Tank, Dolphin Tales from the Deep. He joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Outside of the question, my partner just asked you, O.J., about, you know, relationship with quarterbacks and how you kind of look back on Brian Flores and his three years in Miami. Did did anything else pop up as maybe a weakness or a concern or an area that needed to be improved, in your opinion?
0: Well, I think, I mean, I think it's chronicled that, you know, the relationship he had pretty much, Uh, with his offensive staffs, you know, multiple offensive coordinators along the way. You know, we couldn't figure out a system. that's probably part of the reason that Tua couldn't develop, you know, a a familiarity with a lot of the offenses that we were trying to run because we had different systems, like, I think all three years that he was here. Um, So, you know, a lot of times you see that with defensive-minded guy, you know, the offensive side kind of suffers. I think our offensive side of the ball suffered. So in order for, you know, I think for him to be successful, I think it'd be, you know, be, you know, important for him to get an offensive-minded veteran head coach, OC, or I mean, you know, assistant head coach, OC, to have on that side of football. And then that would, that would make everything easier Because when he called the defensive snaps, when he took over a lot of our defensive calls, you know, the, the, the latter half of his, of, you know, his last season with us, we were incredible. You know, because his defensive mind is unbelievable. Um, so, but if he can get somebody on the offensive side, which is what we struggle with, to you know, to call plays and to, to man that side of the you know the, the team, that mm-hmm. that third the the whole equation, it, it'd be that's what he needs to do. And um, I'm, I'm sure there's some guys out there. You know, originally Jim Caldwell was supposed to be that guy for us. If, I can imagine where our franchise would be right now if Jim Caldwell was the assistant head coach working the offensive side, and Coach Flores being the head coach also working part of the defensive side. That that had been a perfect you know combination for us as an organization, but that didn't happen because Coach C got sick. And now I think right. that's what he, Brian Flores need moving forward you know, in order to be successful because that offensive side of football I, I really struggled for us at times.
1: That's interesting. Now, Brian Flores, his last two years was 19 and 14, and that's very, very impressive, especially with what he had to work with. Now, obviously, things got sideways with him in ownership. Um, but but do you do you believe that this is an impact coach in the making as he began to flash? And Because I've also heard that about Brian Flores, that his game prep is really next-level good.
0: Yeah, I, easy, man, I, you know, I, I was, I'm just hoping he, he gets another shot because he deserves another shot. He's a, he's a, like I said, a hell of a leader of men, a hell of a leader of black men, but also just a hell of a leader in general. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, if he gets another opportunity, you know, he'll learn from his mistakes. And, you know, most people do, um, you know, being under Mike Tomlin now, I'm sure that helps a lot too. Uh, so I think the fact that, you know, if he gets another shot in the league, he's going to be uh, hella successful, and I'd hate to run up against him.
2: Yeah. O.J. McDuffie, uh, co-host of the Fish Tank, our guest here on Bickley Murata Mornings. Moving away from Brian Flores, I, I-, I just want to pick your brain on something, O.J., because you said it early in the interview, hey, I'm an old-school guy. You tried coaching kids. You couldn't do it because of the way kids are. <laughs> As an old-school guy, and we're all in about the same age group in this conversation here, O.J., what what bugs you the most about the new school mentality with athletes?
0: Man, ah man, these these dudes, man. <laughs> they you know what? They I don't know if it's work ethic because they work hard. Like, they seem like they work hard pretty much in the offseason, but the way you have to treat them with kids' gloves sometimes, you know, they can't handle, you know, uh, a cuss word. You know, I said hell one time in my 12-year-old baseball practice. I got in trouble by a parent. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> all, I asked, all I asked the kid was, what the hell are you doing right now? You know, and I got in trouble. So, you know, maybe, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> You're
1: like, this is not for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: not for you me. Know, so, so it's like, uh, you know, so, it's like, you know, so I think the way you have To treat them and talk to them, you know, you have to sometimes coddle them a little bit. Whereas, you know, look, I my high school coach never cursed. My, you know, Joe Paterno never cursed, but they got their message across without cursing. You know, it was loud. You know, (laughs) at times. Whereas, Shula cursed a little bit or a lot of bit at times, but they got their message across. But you know, it created thick skin. It created a, a you know a tougher work ethic for me. It made me want to go out there and try harder. You know, sometimes you you yell at some of these guys, some of these kids, or some of these even adults now, man. They go into a shell, and yeah. that's that's it. That's been the
1: difference, you know. All right, last question. You were a standout at Penn State. I remember watching you there. You were one of Dan Marino's favorite receivers, if not the guy for Dan Marino. For those youngins and these newbies we're talking about who never saw Dan Marino play, who never hear about him because he didn't get that ring, well, what can you what can you share about Dan Marino and, and what where he belongs in the pantheon of quarterbacks?
0: Well, I tell you this, I talked to Danny a lot and Danny said if you play now, baby, you sixty five hundred yards a year passing. <laughs> you know what I mean? With these with these rules and you know what I mean? And they wouldn't be able to touch me, I would be able to get almost free releases and things like that. You couldn't mug me at the five. He uh he was he's such a – I think he's the greatest and, and of course I have a little bias in me, the greatest pure passer in the game. You know, I was watching some clips of him the other day. Is, um, you know, sometimes you get stuff on social media and people like click on, oh, dance on the ball. So I check it out. And I was watching some of the passes. I mean, I, I don't. I, he was just unbelievable, you know, and not a guy that was the most mobile guy. But he had a sixth sense about him. Whereas in the pocket, he'll move left, move right, move up. And then it's a fastball. You know, he threw a fastball better than anybody in the game, in my opinion. You know, Elway and those guys did it as well. And there's a couple of guys nowadays that can play it like that. But, man, that ball was gone. It was going quick, and it was on the money. Uh, his get, accuracy was unbelievable.
1: Did you ever get that fam- famous X on your chest from one of his fastballs? <laughs>
0: well, you know what? Here's the thing about it. Everybody asked me that. You know, Danny threw it so hard. Did he? But, see, I played with Kerry Collins in college, and Kerry Collins threw a fastball. You know what I mean? It might have been two miles an hour faster than Danny's. It might, you know, Danny's 93, I think Kerry's 95, you know? So I was always, I was ready when I got to Miami, you know, to, to receive that that fastball from Danny. Thank you, OJ. Appreciate I, that.
2: I'm not, uh, I'm not disagreeing with you on Marino either. I mean, he threw for 5,000 yards and 48 touchdowns in 1984. <laughs> yeah. OJ, way ahead of his time.
0: Way ahead. Yep. You know, and Mark Clayton, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper, I know the Marks brothers played a part of it, yep. but, you know, Mark Clayton had 18 touchdowns that year you know that's just getting it done
2: right there no doubt oj great to talk to you thank thanks you, so man. much for the insight on brian flores and hopefully we can chat again sometime i would love it fellas. thanks for having me on thank you oj mcduffie co-host of the fish tank dolphin Tales from the deep he uh, joined us here on uh, the arizona sports line coming up next we'll stay in the world of football we'll cover some hash marks heading into the divisional round of the playoffs next it's bickley and Murata mornings here on arizona sports the local sports leader the
3: local sports leader.
0: Quickly and Morada Hash marks.
4: Yeah, it's always. I always enjoy going on the road. It's uh, just you and your guys. It feels like it's you against the world, and that's that's where we like to be. Do you feel like an underdog going into this game? I never feel like an underdog.
1: Joe freaking Burrow. <laughs> you had to love that the guy. The swag dripping off of Joe Burrow. Don't you just love his drip? What?
3: Oh, what? Get drippy. Get drippy. I love how you can hear the little exhale through his nose, where he's like, yeah. <laughs> "Underdog, <laughs> please." Yeah,
2: I'm Joe Burrow. Right, I'm Joe Cool. Yeah, um, Underdog. Look, I don't, I don't necessarily love the Cincinnati Bengals' chances this week, going on the road to Orchard Park and beating the Buffalo Bills. But man, you want to talk about being reassured by a quarterback who's got hey. Confidence
1: oozing out of him. That's Joe Burrow. When you talk about sports towns in America that have that are on the ground floor with a young superstar and, and the excitement that brings to a market, I don't know who's better than Cincinnati, Ohio right now. Maybe Memphis with John Morant, maybe Dallas with Luca. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I know. No, no, I know. No, no that's Jared. Remove that from the a, podcast if you no want. Please, this is a no Luca fly zone. I keep forgetting about that. No was allowed.
2: Did you see uh, Jason Kidd admonishing his team for not playing defense the last three? Oh, games? Oh, did you see Mark Cuban
1: complaining about how Luca never gets any calls? I thought you'd enjoy that.
2: Yeah. Did you see the play where Luca did the between the legs dribble and then got uh, got a shot blocked and they called it, Scott Foster called a foul with yeah. absolutely zero contact? Yeah, I, I, that's not Luca's fault.
1: I'm yes, not, hey, it is. I'm not, no, it's not. If he didn't exist, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's all his fault. <laughs> That's good. That's actually very funny. Uh, so when you, when, you, when, you, when you think about that, there's a short list of, of athletes like that. All right. I can, way, I can, I can you only imagine it. being in Cincinnati, because come on, keep in mind now, who is the last great sports star Cincinnati had prior? Johnny Bench, P. Rose, George Foster, Cesar Geronimo, Ted Dreisner,
2: the last great. Tell Ken, me, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, maybe, although
1: he came there best, at the height of his powers, his but he never best did. Much years there. were in Seattle. This kid, though, I mean, it, the, like you said, it's not just the wins; it's the swag; it's just the belief; it's the, and this is Cincinnati, and they're going to need that. Carson too. Palmer. Carson Palmer was
3: the number one pick.
2: Yeah, but he, I mean, and yeah, we're, we're, we're big fans of Carson Palmer around these parts and on this show. Uh-huh. But I don't think the excitement around Carson Palmer ever, to what Bick's talking about, ever really got close to Not be confident. Their offensive line is very banged up. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. That was weird. Oh, that was weird. Everyone's here? Okay, cool. What'd you do now, Jared? I didn't do anything. That was strange. It that just
1: serves like, me for complimenting you in the middle silent. of the show.
3: I thought for a second I ceased to exist. <laughs> no, That was like, that was I couldn't even strange. hear my thoughts in my own head. And then I thought maybe an EAS test was coming. Yeah. Nothing. No. Happened. Wow. That was okay. weird. But then yeah. all all three stations just lost uh, audio. so the
1: so yeah so the Joe Burrow Cincinnati thing. I, I I you're right. On paper, you would say no one's going into Buffalo and winning that game. But after seeing Miami, play Buffalo's the way they not they unbeatable. Did. They're not unbeatable. No. They're not playing their best football right no. now. No. No, but this is a great quarterback matchup. And more to the point, this is really kind of a continuation of the DeMar Hamlin story. And and really, when you look at these two teams and these two quarterbacks, there was a great spirit of cooperation that came out of the DeMar Hamlin injury, which basically was the Cincinnati Bengals saying, whatever you guys want, we're down with right? Mm-hmm. And now they're going to be bashing each other's heads in, but I, this just this feels right. This feels like the game that we should be watching this weekend.
2: Yeah, uh, on the NFC side of the ledger going into this weekend, uh, two-seed San Francisco hosting five-seed Dallas uh, for San Francisco. Much of the talk has been around the play of Brock Purdy. They lose their starting quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. They're pressed into, after losing Trey Lance earlier in the season, pressed into starting a, a, a uh, Seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. They haven't lost since. And it's not just because he is you know, babysitting. He's making plays. Mm-hmm. He's playing very good quarterback right now. Here's uh, 49ers GM John
3: Lynch on what makes Purdy so impressive. I think just the poise, the presence, um, you know, the, 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 the pressure on... Uh, On that position in this league is, it's a mess. It really is. And, uh, I think one thing that we saw from day one, he wasn't going to be phased, you know, this kid's got some swagger to him.
2: He does, uh, and, and he's not. It, it's, it's a different kind of swagger. Like you look at Joe Burrow, oh, yeah. and he's he's got the hair all poofed up, and the glasses, and the cigars, and the cigars, the, and the experience of winning the national championship and having one of the best seasons in college football. But uh, Brock Purdy looks like an eighteen-year-old kid.
1: But he does have – he plays with a lot of swagger too, and it's well, it, it's permeating throughout that team. And again, and I think that Dak Prescott and the way that – the level he played against the Buccaneers, that was next-level stuff. Now, can he really string together three performances like that in a row? If so, the Cowboys have a real shot at this thing. It's just whether or not he can stack those kind of performances. The big question is, when you take a look at this weekend's games, is w- when, if – And when does this Brock Purdy magical run end? He has yet to lose a game as starter in San Francisco. Yeah, eleven straight overall. Irrelevant. Yeah.
2: Has there ever been a, a a worse descriptor for a player? Now,
1: no. He's incredibly relevant. He's incredibly relevant. <laughs> He's completely whelming. Yeah, <laughs> completely.
2: I think this is a great, great slate of games. And even look, anytime Jacksonville's on the playoff, the playoff schedule, you're like, eh. That's an interesting game. Jacksonville's playing with a lot of confidence right now, and fueled by uh, you know the the the, the bacon. What was the the dish that uh, Trevor Lawrence had? What kind of bacon cheese steak?
1: The Texas yeah. bacon cheese
2: cheese steak with yeah. the pecan with waffle. Pecan waffles
3: oh. <laughs> doesn't sound as good as the one from Sonic, though. No, well, that how good it delicious. How could it?
1: Yeah. So, uh, listen. The only thing I could ask for Sunday. Sunday's games are tremendous. If the, if you could just move them to February first, so I could be done with dry January, I would be on.
2: <laughs> look, again, well, I'm going to tell you this: you didn't I sign any contracts. I did.
1: <laughs> you're right; I didn't. Don't, this will know, not stand I'm up not, in court. I'm not legally bound. That's a good point. Is your wife doing it as well? No. This, oh, she so it's does. Yeah, you? she's not. She doesn't drink really, anyways. So you're not letting anyone down. If Wait a minute. Just say, I'm going to do that. I'm only going to let myself down. I you, can handle you that. You buried the lead, all, I do that all the time. Stop. No. You,
2: you buried the lead. Somebody what? married to you doesn't drink. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> She didn't use the Dude, I've had a designated driver my whole life tell me I didn't plan this out right. St. Tammy. Yeah, right? <laughs> 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 Coming up next, we'll hit
2: the 9 o'clock hour and some social studies with Sarah Gazelle. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.